she is hard. Her voice screams callous and her touch raw. You think she doesn't care, but she does and she always has. You mistook her tenacity for bitch. She is quick. She can time travel like you've never seen before. You saw her tomorrow and didn't realize because you were stuck in yesterday. You mistook her forward thinking for Detro. She is quiet. Her silence scares you because it makes you unsure of yourself. She compels you to swallow and taste your vices. You mistook her composure for judgment. She is vital. Her urgency in this room is undeniable. Your rejection of it only ensures that her visit maintains. You mistook her necessity for oppression. She is unseen. If you had to guess, she would be everywhere and nowhere. Her body is not contained to the visible realm. You mistook her presence for absence. She is radical. Her mind is bottomless, but not like oceans, bottomless like black history and panther bullets. You mistook her revolutionary for hostility. She is secure. Her ego suffocates her inner zealous. You wonder who could be that home. You mistook her confidence for hubris. She is sweet. She is diligent. She is imperfect. She is voice. She is ready. She is now and then. If you asked her why she is always misunderstood, why she is a giver even when we are takers, she would tell you it is because she is a leader. Thanks for joining another episode of our Mirrors Reflections with me, Andrea Jackson. Uh, This week's topic, I want to talk about the opioid epidemic uh, that our country is facing, that our youth is facing. You know, I unfortunately know what that life is like uh, through my sister's journey of fighting opioids and eventually um, losing her life to it. I will have to tell you, it has gotten worse Uh, over the decades, and we're losing so many entertainers, so many young people, so many moms and dads to this crisis, and I really want to talk about it, on what we can do as moms, uh, what we can do as fathers, what we can do as siblings, what can we do as friends uh, to help people that is dealing with this disease, because that's exactly what I see it as. Um, I was reading the other day, according to the Drug Policy Alliance report, uh, the most recent spike in overdose deaths is attributed to illicitly manufactured fentanyl, a synthetic opioid pain reliever that is often prescribed to treat severe pain, regularly in cases of advanced cancer, and according to the Centers of Disease Control, it's about 50 to 100 times more potent than morphine. Even just reading this article, I'm, I'm just so taken back that there was a time, I think about it, when doctors were not so quick to give you pain relievers for your pain. They would always say, go home and take, you know, two tunnels or, you know, something over the counter. And I really think that we as a country has made this problem for our youths and for parents and for adults who are suffering with this. I really do. We have made it easy for them to say, hey, this is how you can deal with your pain instead of saying, kind of tough it out. How our parents used to do it back in the 20s, the 30s, the 40s, 50s. They didn't have this issue. They didn't have this problem. And we really need to take accountability on, on why 
uh, this country is suffering so bad of this crisis, this opioid crisis. It's, I, I feel we keep passing the buck, you know, to the doctors, to the FDA. To, you know, we can't continue to pass blame. There is a problem here, and it has to be fixed because we are losing our future, our youths to this. I mean, Mac Miller, I mean, I, I mean, Prince, when we just think about all the people that we have lost to this, and I really think a lot of these cases started off with something very innocent, maybe having an injury, maybe having surgery. And of course, I don't believe you know you have an addiction until you start. I think that's the only way you're going to know. And that's one of the reasons why I never tried drugs. I mean, I've lost a sister to that. Um, I had other family members that was in that life, unfortunately, and I also saw how it ruined my family. You know, I saw how it, you know, it, it broke us up and it really turns you into another person. And I've looked at some of my, you know, family members. I didn't see them the same because I know they weren't the same because they were under the influence. And so many other families is being ruined. There's children that's being born, you know, with mothers that's hooked on opioids and they're not even given a chance you know, from in the womb, much less when they're where they, when they come to earth. You know, they they there is no chance for them to succeed if you are conceived with an addiction already, and it has to stop. You know, I went to the dentist the other day and had some major work done to my mouth, and my dentist was like, "I'm sorry, you know, take some Motrin, take some Tylenol. I'm not going to give you, you know." anything harder than that. I think you really can just tough it out. And I really commend him for that because he realized that there is an epidemic. There is a huge issue. There are people that have addictive natures. And it starts with something as simple of a doctor making that decision. This is how we're going to control your pain. You know, do two Tylenols every six hours and then go to Motrin. And then we'll figure it out that way. And if the pain becomes excruciating, give me a call. And maybe there's some other issues going on. And to me, that stood out. And I wish more doctors had this practice. I do. And I think we need to really take the stigma away from people being addicted to opioids. I think there's a lot of people that know that they have an issue with it. But they're very embarrassed, just like mental health. Very embarrassed to talk about it. And... Fear of judgment, you know, fear of people saying, you know, what do you mean you're addicted? And it can happen so easily. I had a hysterectomy um, maybe two years ago, and it was a major surgery. And they gave me some, you know, huge painkillers to knock out the pain. And I took one, and I did not like the way it made me feel. I felt like I was floating I felt like I was hallucinating. I felt I did not feel like myself. And I said, you know what? I'm going to just stick to the Motrin and I'm going to bear this pain through because I can see how people can get addicted to this. I can see it by just taking one pill. But some of us are just not wired that way. If you're in pain, you're going to do whatever it takes to suppress that pain. And I really think... We need to tell our stories. I think people need to come forward and I think they need to say, I have a problem. That's the first step for me. Acknowledging you have a problem, being open and candid with your doctors that you have this problem so that they can help you 
with weaning you off of this this issue, um, being honest and candid with your friends and family, and your friends and family uh, holding that knowledge with care and understanding and without judgment. I think these things are so important. You know, being a parent uh, to two children, uh, having a daughter that was in private school and the son as well, and then, you know, having a child that went to college, these are, were one of many concerns, but one of my main concerns was this opioid epidemic because I know it's so easy to get into the hands of our children. And from when my kids were younger, anytime I received these type of pain medicines, I always flush them down the toilet. When I look into some people's medicine cabinets and I see all the drugs that they save, this is where a lot of our children are getting hooked onto these things, unfortunately, it's from at home. And we really have to be accountable of what things we leave around our children. Uh, when they're getting into preteens and teens, unfortunately, with today's uh, society, with the music that they're listening to, with the shows that they're watching, with the exposure that they're getting from school, it's inevitable that these things could happen. So we have to be accountable as parents, I feel, number one, by flushing those things down the toilet once we're done with it and not leaving it in the house where it's easy access where they could obtain it. To me, it's like leaving a loaded gun, you know, without the safety on in your house for your child to reach for. You know, anyone with common sense or with love for their children would not do that. They would make sure that that gun is put away, it's, it, it's safe somewhere where only you can have access to it. And that's exactly how I see opioids. That's how we need to see it. You know, stop making it so easy accessible to our kids. There's a lot of people that I know that are doctors and they have these things laying around for their use at home, and that's how their children get hooked on it, and that's how their friends start to dibble and dab. So we as parents really have to put our heads together and take responsibility what's going on in our homes. We have to take responsibility for our children, and we have to really have an honest conversation. And when we see that our child had this type of addiction, hiding it is not doing them any service, and it's not doing you. You, you're not the only one out there. I think we really need to sit down and have these open dialogues and say, hey, I'm struggling. And when we're given that information, to really not turn a blind eye. Secondly, you know, not to judge because you don't know if you're ever going to be facing that, that situation. So I think we need to really have more of these conversations openly this is not just a Hollywood issue, and I think because we see it in the media with Michael Jackson and Whitney Houston and that person, that it's not just them. It's regular people like us that's listening to this podcast that's out there that is facing this, whose children is at risk, and that is why we should care. We should care about this opioid de epidemic just as we would care about mental health because it goes hand in hand. You know, usually people that are on these drugs are suffering, suffering with some type of mental illness or uh, um, mental stress, and they're using this to suppress what they're feeling. So they really do go hand in hand. And I really feel the pressures that children are having in school, the pressures people are having in their careers, the pressures that entertainers are facing, it's a lot. And if you're not taking care of your mental health, 
I can see how easily you would get plugged into that because it's a way to run away from your reality. But the truth of the matter is, once you get hooked onto this thing, you're going to forever be running away from your reality. That is why it's important to have a support system, to be honest about this journey, because you can't do it alone. You know, if you're suffering with mental illness, it's something you can't do alone. You need a team of people. You need your psychiatrist. You need your psychologist. You need your life coach. You need your family. You need your friends. You need to be all in. And it's the same thing with the opioid epidemic. Children that's facing this, they need to have a support team. Adults who's facing this, they need to have a support team. And the doctors have to have hold some form of accountability for their actions. Because if a patient is constantly coming to you with pain and all you keep doing is writing that prescription and you're thinking about your check, that's unfortunate. Because that's going to be a huger issue down the line for that person, for that family. And it's learned behavior. You know, if your mother or your father's having this issue... Who's to say if you're not going to pass this down to your offspring, to your children? It's something that we really need to discuss, and we need to discuss it openly and honestly. Um, I feel if people are taught to speak about their emotions, to speak about their struggles, to speak about the adversities, the challenges, the things that they're faced, and not sweep it under the rug, and not internalize everything, then I believe we would have less of this opioid epidemic going on. People are running away from something. And we have to find out exactly what are people running away from? And why are they running from it? Why are we not making it okay for them to deal with it? All of those things starts at home. And unfortunately, we know some kids don't have parents at home that are actually hands-on and that are active, actively involved in their children's life to know what's going on. And it has nothing to do with status and finance because I, you know, I, I also see it. In, in, in children that come from wealthy homes. I figure the more access you have, the more money you have, you, you have access to these pills. Like this, the drop of a dime you can get it. So this is an issue and it's in everyone's backyard. Middle class, rich, poor, everyone is suffering with this and we have to deal with it. We have to figure out a way, how are we going to deal with this? I think talking about it in schools from when children or in middle school when these things are happening, we have to talk about it openly. And we have to make children feel safe that if they are struggling with this addiction, whether they got the pills from a friend, they got it from home or whatever, we have to, we have to talk about it. We cannot also, you know, push these types of medications on our children. If our children broke an arm or broke a leg, and why is the first thing is, you know what, you need to take this painkiller pain to relieve some of the pain. And why not is, you know what, let's take the Tylenol, let's try the Motrin, and let's try it instead of every six hours, to six to eight hours, let's try it every four hours. Why that's not the go-to? Why are painkillers the go-to immediately when a child is going through something with their health? We as parents, we have to stand up for our children and we actually have to stand up for ourselves because if we don't stand up for us, we can't leave it to the FDA or for doctors to stand up for us. We have to know when to say and stand on our ground and say, no, I'm not going to take this. I'm actually going to tough this thing out and see how the pain plays out. And once we do that, I believe, then change can happen. But change won't happen until we gather together as one 
and start to really move forward and say, you know what, it stops here. For 2020, we're going to do things differently as parents. We're going to do things differently as doctors. This cannot be about money because too many lives are being lost. What's going to happen to our future with this epidemic of opioid? Where are we going to stand? On which side? On which side are we going to stand on? Are we going to be on the side of death? Or are we going to be on the side of living? It's something that we need to think about when we think about this epidemic and what this country is facing. Who's going to look out for the future of our children, of our youth? That's what we need to ask ourselves. It's something that I think we should all be thinking about as parents, as doctors, as the FDA. Is it really all about the dollar? Or are we going to think about the future we're leaving this country in? This is not just a rich person's problem of the elite. It's not a poor man's problem. It's not a middle class problem. It's a problem that all of us are facing and it's in each and every backyard that we live in. And it is up to us to make change and to save our youth. We will be here but for so long. But the future generations to come, where are we leaving them? What are we saying to them about being strong and about pain and about their mental health? What are we teaching them? What legacy are we leaving behind? The opiate epidemic is something I want you all to think about. Thank you for joining our Mirror's Reflections with Andrea Jackson. Mm -hmm.